Don't think I will even ask you to make Jesus Lord of your life. That's the most preposterous thing I could ever tell you to do. Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. Whether you serve him or not, whether you bless him, curse him, hate him or love him, he is the Lord of your life because God has given him a name that is above every name so that the name of Jesus Christ every knee shall bow and tongue confess that he is Lord. Some of you will bow out of the grace that has been given to you and others will bow because your kneecaps will be broken by the one who rules the nations with a rod of iron. But I'll not apologize for this God of the Bible. Friends to the For the King podcast, where we proclaim the edicts of the king, namely and chiefly that he reigns, and you ought to bend the knee. So thanks for joining in. I got a uh, some guy with me named Noah. So very frequent guest on the podcast. Thanks Noah for being here again. Um, this episode, we wanted to walk through the topic of sport or competition. You had heard, um, we've had a, a Wednesday episode recently where we talked about Christian aggression, and we kind of touched on it a little bit, how aggression's good in sports, but then but then we talked specifically about aggression and how that's used for men on all, a vast array of things. Well, this episode, Noah and I thought it would be good to just talk about how competition is to be used rightly in the world, and um, maybe some of the idols we've made out of competition. So, Noah had shared with me some thoughts, can you kind of start us off, Noah, with maybe kind of some of the things you were sharing with me yeah, about competition, or maybe some things you've been thinking about recently while we were playing basketball you were telling me about competition. Um, yeah, I was just recently reminiscing with some friends on, you know, the good old days of running track <laughs> in high school. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, we got into a lot of shenanigans. We actually, like, one time spent the whole night in the... Um, high school football stadium and there was like this huge event where people were running on the track all night oh yeah um did you ever do that that's not the year i, I didn't do it that year okay. no. um yeah yeah that, that was a thing uh-huh but having the experience of participating in an individual sport where your success is wholly determinant on your personal performance in the event exactly so Rocky and I both ran the 400 meter dash event in high school. Um, I was a swimmer though. That was my main sport. I want everybody to know that. Noah smoked <laughs> me in running. I was a swimmer. That was my sport. Uh, so you would get that in oh, it's swimming sw- events too. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Swimming is very similar to like running in the sense it's completely individual. How hard are you going to push yourself to win? Mm-hmm. And it's, the minor mistakes make huge differences in your time. Oh, yeah. So it's a lot of pressure. Yeah, it's like it you have to bear the weight of knowing that you could make this little mistake that will potentially cost you a race if you're, like, racing at a high level exactly. and you, like, understand the strategy of how you go through a whole race to get the best possible time. Exactly. So, like, for example, in the 400, there's a strategy to run the race where um, you do these specific things. Um, it also, I mean, it varies from race to race, what strategy you want to use, but basically 
it's something like you you want to try to first of all accelerate fast out of the blocks mm-hmm. um, because you're a good start. Mm, um, yeah, you're just cutting off time that time that it takes to accelerate. So you get up to speed quickly, um, and then you want to try to find a pace that's about like a ninety five percent of your max speed because you're gonna need some for that back stretch. Yep. Um, I mean, for anybody who's participated in uh, <laughs> the 400 is that kind of race. It's you're nearly at a full sprint, right? You're saying yep. 95. Yep. So there's strategy to it, you know. And in certain mm-hmm. races, you want to keep in mind longevity, you know. Mm-hmm. So there, yeah, there's a lot of wisdom there mm-hmm. inherent in your strategy. Same thing for swimming. Um, what was comparable to the 400 in swimming was the 100. Similar. Mm-hmm. It's kind of funny even looking at the similar times. Like a good 100 for a swimmer would be like sub 50, would be an okay for, for high school. I was like okay. a 49. Mm-hmm. That's a good 100. But a good a good 400 meter race for, for track is mm-hmm. sub sub 50. Yep. Uh, for the 200. That's really good. Yeah, for the 200 yard for a swimmer. You want to go about sub one one minute and fifty seconds means you're good two hundred swimmer. The eight hundred you need to be a sub one fifty to yep. be a good eight hundred runner. Mm-hmm. Same thing with the mile and the five hundred. It's very it's very interesting how the it's like the lengths were perfectly proportioned out for how mm-hmm. much slower swimming is to running. Mm-hmm. But same strategy for I was a I was a five hundred and two hundred swimmer. So for the five hundred that's more of a mile. You want to really kind of pace yourself. But like you're saying for the 400, like I, I swam the 100, I was a 49 second 100 swimmer in high school, which is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, you have to go out, the whole thing's a sprint basically, you're 95 and then that yeah. last lap or whatever, but for you that last stretch would be you're going as hard as you can. And the yeah. start really does matter. Almost, I would say even more so for swimming. I don't know if you've ever seen a swimming start, but it is, it's not like you just start running. You don't, you don't start off swimming, you have to do a jump Mm-hmm. A, a jump start into the water. So it's kind of a different technique, but honestly, the same principles apply for almost any individual athletic sport, you know? Right. So, um, there's a lot that you can draw out of competition like this. I guess it's the idea. Like, if, if you want to win, like, you, you're probably going to have to, you're going to face challenges. Like, you're... <laughs> yeah. Um, the way your way of thinking is going to be changed to some extent, and so you need to be adaptable. Um, so in the four hundred, you need to decide whether you're going to try to start your kick during the turn or when you come out of the turn, based on your opponent and how much you're guessing that he has left in the tank, or whatever. Yeah. Um, so yeah, there's a lot that goes into competition, but. Um, having all that run through your mind at the beginning of the race like that's that was just like something that was uh i don't know impressed on me recently i guess and then yeah then doing the race competing with other people seeing how you how you size up yeah so how does how does that translate to when you're when you're training, um, like obviously Paul uses that a lot as an analogy for the Christian faith. Um, what do you want to extract out of that in terms of humility and race, humility and defeat? Um, how how do we be graceful in defeat? Mm-hmm. How how do we win over our enemies, over the foes that we're fighting or that we're racing against? Mm-hmm. How do we win over them in mm-hmm. such a way 
that we do it graceful. Because um, it's, it's mm-hmm. odd, even in sport, there's an idea of being unsportsmanlike. Mm-hmm. But, but being unsportsmanlike has nothing to do with athletic ability. It's a completely metaphysical idea, yeah. even in some of the most physical things that we do in our society, which is sports. Uh, throwing a, a football back and forth or, or shooting a basketball or running a race. It's like, okay, that's I'm a materialist, right? So, so that's all there is in sports is just who runs the fastest. But then we have all the time this talk of un, being unsportsmanlike. That's not physical at all. That's not material at all. Mm-hmm. That's a metaphysical idea. So that's obviously a part of the race. And your morals going into the race, how hard you train, your resolve in the midst of the race, your steadfastness, will determine also what happens physically to your body, your mental, your mental resolve. Mm-hmm. So there's some, there's some good lessons there. So what do you think about mm-hmm. maybe defeat or even to be humble in victory if you're better than somebody? Mm-hmm. How, how should men think about that in anything, whether it be a sport or if you're better than somebody at any kind of skill, anything, mm-hmm. even a job. It could be in the workplace. I guess it depends in large part on what you mean by better. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people might consider being better at a sport as purely being more skillful. Yeah. But that, that might not be true. Um, being a good sportsman means having um, a level of respect for your competitors, no matter how good they are. It's just exactly y- you. You show them respect because they're participating in this sport. Like maybe it's a sport you really enjoy. Like yep. Um, for us, it could be chess. For me, it could be like soccer. I've been playing it for a really long time. Um, when you come to a certain level of playing a sport, you begin to realize that it really isn't all about winning because, I mean, if you're really good at something and you face somebody who's bad at something, you're not going to get hardly any satisfaction about just going all out and defeating them. Yeah. Because that's not a challenge for you and there's little diversity, there's little opportunity to grow. So it can't be just purely about winning. When you're a sportsman, like you have this respect, your desire is to see improvement in the other person and also learn um, humility for yourself because there is that metaphysical aspect of growing in character. And I think that's a big reason that children should participate in sports and competition. That's a good thought. Yeah. Um, So I, I would say being good at a sport requires you to be humble because a good sportsman continuously has opportunities to grow where in that situation with you're a lot better than somebody, you still have an opportunity to improve your game through um, helping the other person get better and learning how to become a good teacher. Exactly, yeah. So I think that's an art a lot of people don't really realize, and that's something I've only noticed very recently. I'm, I'm an extremely competitive person, so I like just... yeah. Real, real quick, tell the people your, your background in terms of sports. You were a collegiate athlete. You know, walk us through that a little mm, bit. Sure. Um, like, how far back do you want me to go? Well, I, I just just give just a real quick background: what sports you played and how far you progressed. Okay. So I, just real fast. I don't want to. We don't have to spend yeah. time, on it, but just so people have a background, like why do uh, did we play a lot of sports? You know? <laughs> yeah. Are we, we athletic? <laughs> we have a decent resume, I guess. I grew up playing soccer, played through high school. Um, Varsity. Yeah, for a couple of years. Unfortunately, I didn't play much because 
Uh, I just I didn't have a very good attitude. That's a, mm-hmm. another thing about being sportsman. Like you, you really need to have a good attitude. Yep. And coaches will notice that. Um, and then I also ran track all throughout high school. Um, started running varsity races junior year. By senior year, I was pretty good. I, I um, so there's an indoor season and outdoor season. So in, at the end of indoor season, my four by four and four by two hundred meter relay teams made it to the state competition, mm-hmm. and I think we actually got fourth in the four by two. Yeah. So we were pretty good. Um, I was running like 50.5 in the 400 right at the end, which is a respectable time. Yeah. Um, so I had a I had a pretty good season. I ended up tearing my hamstring right at the end. Um, but then going into college, I um, started running with the UND track team. So that was actually one of the most difficult programs I'd ever participated in. Like the the training was extremely difficult. Um, built some good camaraderie around, um, among my teammates, but yeah, I I think I learned a lot about competing that year. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's cool. about it. I got to run like only a couple races as yeah, a collegiate yeah. athlete, though. Yeah, mm-hmm. nice. Yeah, I just um, started, I think, fifth grade uh, swimming, and I swam all throughout high school, and then I, I quit my junior year, but I probably could have swam D3. I, that, that was not without outside the realm of the possibility. Um, by the by, junior year, I was scoring the most at our, on our high school team. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, yeah. So, yeah, I was a pretty good swimmer, but I wasn't, like, D1 material, but probably could have swam D3 or D2 or something. Mm-hmm. Um so yeah, that's that's kind of my background with sports, but I do know what you mean. Like, it's odd when we're so we're. I want to get to this by the end of this conversation about the idolatry of sports, how we bust out of that and be humble in the midst of it, because this is a big sin in America. I remember, dude, being so frightened, being like the best on the team. Everybody kind of looked up to like, okay, is Rocky mm-hmm. is Rocky going to show out or not? Yeah, when we have you don't perform well. Yeah, and if you don't perform, it really impacts like the freshman, obviously, when you're an upperclassman. Mm-hmm. But also just being one of the better swimmers, it was like, okay, it is you know, the, the, I remember the coaches telling me that a lot. Like, if you don't show out, the whole morale of the team is going to be down. You know, and it was always like a lot on me. I remember like crying after I would like not do well in sectionals and mm-hmm. state and things like that, and wanting to do better than I was. And honestly, I think I would have been a much better swimmer. I probably could have been D2, D1 stuff if I didn't eat poorly. In retrospect, looking back, we did no dry dry land, which would be like lifting weights. Mm. I probably couldn't put up 135 on bench or squat over 180. Uh, if I actually would have been strong, I think I, I probably could have been much better mm. swimmer. And I was already pretty good. Um, mm. So I don't know, I, it's, it is a lot of pressure and I was a pagan at that point. I was worshiping the world. I was worshiping creation. Mm-hmm. And I had no category to put into, oh, if I don't do well, I'm still learning. I'm still growing in my mm-hmm. character. There's something I can take away from this. Mm-hmm. What I only saw as a pagan doing a sport was if I don't perform, again, you focus on the metaphys- I'm sorry, on the physical. Because you, if you're a pagan, mm-hmm. you're usually, mm-hmm. a, in our society, you're usually an atheistic materialist. You don't even believe there's a God. 
and you're worshiping the creation. There are some people that are pagans that obviously worship like Hindu gods and things like that. But I was more of like a materialist in my mindset. So I was like thinking in my sport, all that mattered was my performance, my time. Uh, what what yeah. was like? What did the clock show when I finished my race? And if it wasn't a good number, and I didn't win, then then I was crushed. Yeah. And I had no category in my mind for growing as an individual. That sport mm. is an end in and of itself. Everything's moral. Everything has a moral substrate to it. And mm. um, sport is one of those things. So I, I just remember it being very crushing. And I'm sure you have stories like that of not performing well and like getting beat and you knew you could have beat that dude. Um, mm. So I don't know. That's just I, I'm just walking through how I interacted with it. I mean, I know exactly what you mean. Not being humble in defeat, not being humble in victory, having no humility, not being sportsman-like at all. Mm-hmm. I think I've grown in that a lot. I used to get frustrated a lot, but when we play sports and hang out and stuff, it's not really a big deal. I can still get a little frustrated, and I, there's still mm-hmm. more I can work on. Um, I don't know. Those some of my thoughts I had. It seems like a mark of maturity, how you react to victory or to defeat. Yeah, exactly. So, as we continue to grow as time passes it becomes more and more evident just the fact that there's a bigger picture outside of the sport that you're playing and that when you finish playing you gotta go back into your daily life yeah. all that really matters is what you picked up and what you learned from participating in the competition exactly so something we mentioned and when we were talking about chess is that when you're competing about when you're competing with other individuals who are dynamic, um, the outcome isn't always, or I mean, it's not predetermined other than in the mind of God. Yeah. So, amen. When you get into the competition, there are just times when it can go either way and it's like kind of ambiguous, and these little moments will decide the outcome of the game. So, it's like you can't get caught up on that. Like, if you're placing your worth in something that you have no control of, then exactly, you're gonna have issues. Yeah. So, and we can get into like how that's such a big problem when people idolize sports. Yeah. Well, before we go there, talk a little bit more about the teaching aspect of sport, passing down the flame, mm-hmm. the torch, the baton, um, being humble as a teacher, that you can still learn something in teaching moments. Um, mm-hmm. Not being, again, like you talking about things are going to be out of your control in sports and sometimes you'll get wrecked, you'll get, you'll get smoked. But some, one thing that's also out of control is there's not enough talent for everybody to have competition all the time. Sometimes you mm-hmm. can face somebody that just stinks and you really want to play the sport at your level, but you're playing with people that aren't at your level. How do you take joy in seeing others benefit? How do you count others' interests more You know, in Philippians 2? How do you count others more mm-hmm. like Christ did? more important than yourself you know what I mean Mm -hmm. so I started playing volleyball uh, about two years ago and um, I mean I'm pretty athletic so I picked it up pretty quickly like all I did was practice biomechanics of hitting I got pretty decent but then um, like going and playing pickup games I would just want to hit the ball as hard as I can just because I wanted to get better at hitting Um, (laughs) yeah so it, it definitely made it less fun for other people, but it's like I saw it as I'm still improving. So it's like, yeah, it's all about you. Yeah, yeah, just out of this um, selfish mentality. So 
it hasn't been again up until recently that I've realized um, this the importance of being able to just exhibit self-discipline in your play like that in itself is going to allow you to grow so much more than just doing crap like uh-huh. trying to hit the ball as well, hard as you can yeah and even in moments like that you hit the ball really hard you hit somebody in the face they're got a bloody nose <laughs> they to me so yeah many that's what i'm saying like, like you, i would hit other people there's a anyway. sense yeah where you can get to a point where you okay you might be slightly improving your hitting mechanics but nobody else is enjoying it and having fun and nobody else is actually learning right right? because every time they serve it you get a nice set boom and then volley's over there's no more volleying because you just slammed it and nobody gets to play Mm -hmm. so there's a there's a moment where you can be reserved like i think when we become fathers that's going to be very evident Mm -hmm. when your little kid is like barely able to walk and you're kicking a ball back and forth you're going to teach him (laughs) soccer and like right. when me and you were kicking a soccer ball back and forth, like you you've hit it at me pretty hard before, and I can't really control I can't control the ball um, when you hit it that hard. And if you did that to your kid, they would never learn, right? They would never ever learn. They would never want to play. They would never want to play. They never learn. But there is a I don't know. It's just it's such a good teaching in sports mm-hmm. to control, like you're saying, self discipline, control your strength, control what you're doing. Be a self-controlled man mm-hmm. and uh, produce enjoyment for others. And create a space where other people can learn, mm-hmm. and you can focus on fundamentals. Yep. You can move. You can move actually on a sl- how to slow down hesitation right. in your movement. Really telegraph your action so they really know what you're going to be doing. But then it's like, are they actually going to be able to handle it? So yeah, I mean, it's like I can just dial back the hit a ton to where it, like. It's a somewhat difficult ball, and like they still get practice getting it up. So, uh-huh. like, yeah, like in volleyball, when you have longer volleys, it's much more fun because the longer it goes, you're like, like yeah, each who's gonna win the point? To get the point? Yeah, um, yeah, those are some of the best. <laughs> yeah, so just like real realizing little things like that, like how to sw- switch from a mindset of self improvement to how can I. Um, use what I have for the benefit of others, which is a big principle in Christianity. Yes. Um, it just make things, makes things so much better mm-hmm. um, for you, but then also for everybody you're playing with. Exactly. That's a good point. So that's what a good sport, sportsman does. Exactly. It's being a man in every sphere of life where you are a blessing to those around you. That, that's really, I guess, what we're kind of drawing out here. And and I think one of the... And I think you hit it on the head. One of the worst... Um, examples of like toxic masculinity, for instance, would be the man that goes to a co-ed sport like you, Noah. Well, you're a great example of this. Go into a co-ed sport where there's girls present and slamming the ball as hard as you can, <laughs> playing volleyball, right? <laughs> yeah. That that's toxic. Ma- I, I hate to say it, but it is. I mean, and you're you're recognizing that nobody's <laughs> learning, nobody's having fun. You're the only one having fun, and you're being a terror to others, right? My, that my team has fun. <laughs> yeah, your team has fun because you're winning. They're all they're doing is yeah. setting to you, so you and the setter are like, yeah, let's go, good hit. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But there is that. There's a real sense of that of. When a man enters into any sphere of life, he's he's doing whatever he's doing. How can he be a blessing to others? Hmm. How can he go in and be like leaven in a lump and produce hmm. growth? Hmm. How does he bring life to the place he's at? 
And a woman ought to think the same thing, but a man does it yeah. in his way. A man does it in a masculine way. A woman brings life in a feminine way. Right. How do you, according to your God-given gender, how do you exemplify that and actually amplify that wherever you're at? Mm. Um, and it takes wisdom, and it takes a lot of self-control. So that's something we've hit on a little bit. The importance of developing self-control that a lot of that you get a lot of opportunities to do that in competition and in playing sports exactly so some people will take that opportunity and use it to grow same with martial arts too people uh-huh. just tend to develop self-discipline um, as they progress in, in the martial art but then you can also do the opposite and just play the sport um, like selfishly uh-huh. I guess, yeah. Well, you can even play the sport selfishly when somebody's like, oh, I suck at the sport. I don't want to play. Mm. You know, and then somebody's like not even trying. They don't want to, like, even if mm. there are sports I play, I'm not very good at. I was a swimmer. Um, so I can't, like, for instance, with track, I still try. I had goals. Like, when you saw me run that year, yeah, I didn't yeah. do well. I finally broke a minute, though, my 400. That's okay. Yeah. That's, bad. That's good for me. And... The sportsman thing to do is for Noah to say, dude, I run a 49, but 59, that's really good for you. And mm. encouraging me. Everybody encouraged me, actually. It was actually a really good environment for me to get better at mm. running, even though I was a swimmer and I'd never run before. Uh, I was a land, or I was, I was a, a land lover. <laughs> I was lost at sea before that. So yeah, it, was, I, there, it was a lot of fun watching you and Blake, Blake duke it out. Yeah, there was this guy named Blake. He's, he's a very funny man. He's hilarious. And uh, I called him my arch nemesis the whole year. And we would run next to each other. I don't know if I ever told you this, but when I would run next to him in meets, mm-hmm. I would literally say to him while we were neck and neck, I would say initiating stride sequence. <laughs> and I'd start really exaggerating running. I was still trying. I, I didn't yeah. stop. I didn't cease to try, but I started really going. I said initiating stride sequence. <laughs> and I'd start running and Blake would start... I could hear him. I could, you know, he'd laugh a little bit, but then we would be going after it. We would try to, and by the end of the year, he beat me the last race. He, yeah. he got me. He ended up being better than me. But that was fun. And and that's, you shouldn't be, if you're bad at a sport as a man, there's a real pride when you say, I suck. I can't do it. Because guess what? You keep saying, I, I, I. I suck. I can't do it. I don't want to do this. I don't want to play. I'm not willing to learn. Yeah, I'm not willing to learn. You know what that is? That's pride in the same sense. Noah running a 49 would be prideful for him to say, dude, you suck. You should just quit. Mm-hmm. Why are you even trying to break a minute? You're not even good. We don't need you. Both are instances of pride and not good masculinity. Mm. The true man tries and gives effort, whatever he's doing, and he tries to be a blessing to others and help others learn, help others grow, grow himself. That is what a man does. Yeah, he should be adaptable to where he can go into any situation and apply, like, I mean, yeah, like take volleyball, like play at a skill level that's, um, that facilitates better playing others. Exactly. Um, yeah, you shouldn't just like not try at all and just <laughs> act like a. Yeah, be mopey. Yeah, it's like nobody wants to play with that guy. But if you're um, encouraging people, you're actually having fun yourself. But you're not making it all about yourself and exactly playing at your full skill level. Um, you can you have the self control to know how you can challenge others in a way to make them grow like you just you push on the right spots um like on their weaknesses to to show them that they have these weaknesses mm-hmm. um because i think 
a good sportsman, a wise man, has the discernment and a broad enough vision to where he he's paying attention to um, how he can defeat his opponent at all times. But then yes. he doesn't exploit that to a point where he just crushes the opponent. You do that when you're actually in a, a hostile confrontation. Yeah, if you're playing a game. <laughs> if, you're, if you're at a meet. Right. The enemy is now here. It's time to destroy. Right. It's a so, different mindset. Yeah, so you don't... It's a different... Yeah, exactly. It's a different mindset. Um, well, I guess that also includes know thine enemy. If you're a friend... If somebody's a friend that you're you're playing a sport with to help them get better, then they're a friend. They're in the category of friend. Mm-hmm. If you go to a meet, a swim meet, a track meet, the other school is in the category of enemy. So right. you want to utterly destroy them. No, you, you, no mercy. You can maybe liken it to... In a team sport, say you're on your school's nah, soccer team. Yeah. I can, I can relate to that. <laughs> um, when you're competing with your teammates, it's like everybody wants each other to get better, ideally. Yeah. I mean, yeah. But then, yeah, when you go and face another school, you're trying to destroy them. Yeah, exactly. So you want to get better as a team as much as you can because you know there's going to be a time when you as a team are going to have to like be able to rely on each other and and trust the man win. Yeah, trust yeah. The man next to you. Yeah, I think yeah, that, develop a brotherhood. I think that's a very important lesson. Um, so, is there anything positive? I guess we want to say about about how to self restraint, self control in sport. Because I kind of would mm-hmm. really like to you know, start driving this conversation towards the idolatry of sport in our society. Mm-hmm. How people use sport for evil. Um, the enterprise of sport, the the idolatrous, feminine, gay sport watching that so many men do across this country that actually a lot of men will uh, opt to watch football on Sunday rather than go worship the living God. That's pretty gay. I mean, to sit on a couch and watch other men play a sport, that's extremely gay. So That's pretty feminine. Yeah, exactly. So let's, let's kind of walk through that. Like, how mm-hmm. should a man... You know, it's good for men to use their bodies. When you when you have a man that does not ever play a sport, it doesn't even have to be a sport. It can be working out, it can be running, yeah, just some kind move. of physical exertion. A man should always be doing that his whole life until he dies. There is, uh, I was telling Noah about this. There's a guy at my work. He's in his 60s. I think he's 66 now. He's he's in retiring age. Yet he, um, uh, he what he does is he works for a drilling company and he lifts these 80 pound big metal augers and puts them on this drilling rig and he's drilling big old holes to get soil samples and stuff for me um, and he's like 66 and he's picking up 80 pounds of material and moving it around he still moves better than I've seen some 40 or 30 year old move and I asked him I'm like so when are you going to retire he's like I, I don't want to retire I, I really don't have even I, I don't have that in mind um, I, I've seen men retire and then they went downhill very quickly because they stopped moving. That's what he said to me. So I think it's incumbent on men in our society to move, to continue to move. Fatness is a sin. Gluttony is a sin. Um, so men need to continue to move uh, throughout their whole lifetime. Yeah, That's good for men. Um, to go and watch a sport rather than play it has some kind of usurpation of what God has commanded you as a man to do, which is to live and breathe and have being. Like it says in Acts 17, in him we live and move and have our being. Mm. When you sit and you do nothing and watch other men do something that you wish you could do, that's extremely effeminate. Mm. So I don't really watch sports ever. I might every once in a while, 
but I never ever just sit down and will watch it. I like to play sports. Noah, Noah and I play sports all the time. Mm. Um, I don't watch sports a whole lot. Yeah. I might watch a highlight if somebody something crazy happened. You know what I mean? But um, I, I would never sit down and watch a game. Mm-hmm. It has gone way too far um, in society in general, like how much they care about sports. Like, yeah. I think some, somebody did a study that it showed um, men who have a team, um, they're like significantly happier, like they have higher dopamine levels <laughs> when their teams win as opposed oh, to like when they lose. Throughout their week, like, it, like in their life, the yeah. dopamine levels. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, like that's how much they're mentally <laughs> invested in yeah. the success of their team. Uh, their team that so. does no knows nothing about them. None of those guys on the team care about him. Nothing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's total idolatry. If you're that that invested. Yeah, if your dopamine moves with the winning or losing of some team that you like, then it's probably an idol, and it's having physical implications through your dopamine, your hormones, and your body. Yeah. <laughs> so. Idols have physical manifestations, folks. Yeah, amen. A dopamine. So, for you and me, I would say a, a reasonable, a reasonable reason. <laughs> <laughs> Dude, reasons better be reasonable uh, if you're gonna have them. <laughs> yeah, they ought to be. Um, to to watch sports, yeah, would be like it's a sport that we play, so we're trying to watch people to better learn. than us yeah. to learn how to be better. Yeah. Um, I'd say that's a fine. I, I'm not, I don't want to wholesale say never ever because again, I watch highlights to, to see. Okay, what was that? Yeah. That was a really good move that led to a goal. How do I? How do I implement that? That's yeah, not bad. It's like only natural that the best people at a specific thing are going to be able to make a living by doing that thing. Yeah. The the problem comes from um, yeah, just having such a high investment in the outcome of a, a sports team. Or, and just paying paying that much attention, you're going to become more like those players. So something I've noticed with people who follow professional sports, um, an example is following professional soccer, where they're paying so much attention to these soccer players, they start to become like them. Especially when they're playing the sport, um, they'll just become like extremely arrogant because the idols that they're watching are extremely arrogant. So like people who really like Ronaldo. Arrogant. He's super arrogant. They, yeah, yeah. They tend to become like possessed by the spirit of this, like their favorite player. Interesting. You've legit seen that. Mm-hmm. Friends take on the persona. No, it's like people I play with. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. That's very fascinating. Even like what you're saying, like nobody's. They're not. They're not. It's okay to learn a move and how how to move properly from the sport above, but when somebody has like a certain way they do things or like a celebration they do, and to just like copy, yeah, that is kind of it's like come up with your own stuff. Come on, yeah. like like if you're gonna play your sport, you can use a similar move, but don't you know put your own little finesse on it. Mm. Put your own English on the ball. You know, don't yeah. just completely be a copycat. That's how some of the best players ever didn't. They didn't. Mm. I don't know. Maybe Kobe copied a lot of Michael Jordan's moves, you know. So obviously, yeah, you want to learn the moves, the best, yeah. but you, he still made himself his own. Even though he looked similar to a player, he was still his own player. I guess it's my right. point. Like what you're saying, don't take on the persona, um, and don't make an idol of a sports player. Mm. You're going to have a fundamental flaw in how you're competing if you're trying to like 
just continuously do things in a certain way and you don't have that adaptability to where it's like yes yeah. you have in your mind it's like oh I saw somebody do this I'm going to try to do it the exact same way where it's like you're in a situation where that's just not going to work and then you're just going to get destroyed for it and that's you just didn't learn anything for it that's a great point you see you see your uh, an amazing player do something once and you're like okay I can do it but it's like he knew he could only do that in that specific situation right don't try to replicate it 24-7. That's not a good move in most situations. <laughs> it's a great lesson to learn. Yeah, so just it's learn from the sport. You can watch the sport in that sense. But what Noah and I really want to push back against is this very effeminate idolization of sports where men spend hours each week not playing a sport mm. to better themselves, to learn self-discipline, but rather to just watch for pure entertainment and just to talk about it, just to say, did you watch Did you watch the game? Yes, I watched it. Wasn't that crazy when this happened? Yes, it was crazy. It's like, what a waste of time. Yeah. and it's I've had people ask me that before. It's like, did you see this last night? I'm like, no. I didn't see any of it. And if I would have said yes, then that guy would have talked my ear off about it for 10, 15 minutes. Yeah. About what somebody else did that really doesn't matter. Yeah. It's okay to talk about something that matters, like, oh, they just inflated the currency. Mm-hmm. Uh, inflation's at 9%. Okay, that's useful information. Thank you. Mm-hmm. I'm glad I'm glad you told me about that. But to just be constantly recounting what happened... Again, it's got some kind of Ecclesiastes vanity to it, where it's mm-hmm. week in and week out. It's the same kind of... Every week there's a sports game, and then the next week there's a sports game. And we mm-hmm. can talk about that game the next game the next week, and the next game the next week. And it's the same field. It's the same yardage. It's yeah. the same ball. It's the same goals. Same teams. Same country. It's yeah. this It's this kind of megalomaniac where you just you get in your head, and you're just crazy about mm-hmm. it. It seems like a mark of lunacy when like, – yeah, people. so people are watching these sports. Like you said, like, if he was, was – if this fellow who's a sports fanatic is talking to you, he's just going to be talking about <laughs> the events yeah. as they happen. And that's like the lowest level of intellectual conversation when it's like he could be talking about like the physics of, or like the biomechanics. It's like, did you see how low his knees were and the yeah. angle that his shin was with the ground when he did this? Yeah, it's like I, I tried to do that and I couldn't. It's like, okay, yeah, like you're doing something. Yeah. yeah. Like, that'll actually go somewhere. But then it's like, do you see him shoot the ball and then this other guy got it and then he threw it? And it's like, yeah. There's nothing to gain from any of that. It's, exactly. It's too base. It's too vain. Exactly. Yeah. It's okay to have hobbies and be interested in things. Um, so yeah. don't, don't hear us wrong in that. We're talking about the obsession. Hobbies are not obsessions, hobbies are hobbies. They stay in their place. Um, don't let sports or even just like learning about sports or talking about it. People make their idols and then they think themselves unique because they watched the game. I'm one of the mm-hmm. unique millions of Americans that watched it. So and now I know I all the players. Yeah, and I know all the plays and I know the stats, right? That's just odd to me. That's very mm-hmm. odd. Um, so, yeah, a little bit of feminine there. Let's just watch out for idolatry in sport. Let's keep sport in its rightful place. Mm-hmm. Let's learn something from it. Let's be men that. Um, play sports in a righteous manner and um, you know I guess these are kind of good exhortations we want to, we want to kind of walk away with here one other thing um, that I've noticed is these sport players being continuing to be idolized and they're not just idolizing their sport we also have lots of sport players that are now like social activists 
They are political leaders. They are leaders of movements. They're donating lots of money to causes that they like. They're not just sportsmen anymore. They've become public figures, right? Um, So like influencers. Yeah, influencers. And it's a dangerous thing. And the only reason they have this much influence is because the American populace has given it to them. They've Mm -hmm. given them the fame. So just a man that keeps up with celebrities, a man that's concerned about other men's lives that... it's good to be con- like like Noah here, my brother, one of my best friends. I'm very concerned with Noah's life. I know what's going on in his life on a weekly basis. Okay, that's not hard to do. He's one of my best friends. To know what's going on on a weekly basis of some person that lives in a very high estate because they're a sports star or a celebrity, that's a waste of time. You're not growing in human community with that. That's not the way God created you to be. You're not supposed to just know about somebody. You're supposed to experience human interaction. Jesus says, if you have something against your brother, leave it. Leave your uh, leave your um, your offering at the altar and go reconcile with him. Jesus wants us, and God wants us, obviously, because Christ is God. He wants us to interact with people. So there is something yeah. very effeminate, and just I don't even know what the word would be. It's androgynous. It's not even like women should do this either. It's not like it's a uniquely feminine thing to be obsessed about other people. It's just this. It's this it's almost inhuman to be concerned about humans that aren't in your life. You know what I mean? Um, it's overly concerned about their personal lives, not, not big events like politicians making, you know, the Supreme court doing this. That's okay to be concerned about what people are doing because it affects you. Right. I'm talking about things that don't affect you at all that are useless information Mm. that public figures do. Fame is a weird thing now. We the kind of fame we have in our society. I don't. I'm not sure if I, I'd like to do a deep dive into that. But I mean, I don't think there's been fame on the level we've seen historically because we didn't have social media and things like that. Yeah, the internet has yeah changed that a lot too. Yeah. And if somebody was famous in the past, it was because they're actually contributing something to society at large. Yeah, they, so their name is they did something. They, yeah, they earned the platform. But nowadays. You don't really need to earn the platform. You can just kind of leverage things and just kind of happen upon it pretty much. Yeah. You just like follow the trends and do a really good video about one of the trends or something or, or enter into one of the trends, you know? Yeah. Um, it's more ambiguous. Yeah. So I don't know. Um, some good exhortations for men to not get wrapped up in things like that. Mm. Women either, uh, neither, neither sex should be wrapped up in anything like that. Um, let's let's extract from sports what God meant sports to be. Remember, we live in God's world, um, so we ought to interact with things in the world according to the way God made the world, mm-hmm. and that includes sports. We ought to be humble in sports, be a man that blesses others in sport, and, and be a man that does sports. It's it's good to train your body. It doesn't have to be a literal sport where you're anything to exert the body is good <laughs> for men. Where we're embodied, we're body and soul, you should be exerting your body in some capacity. Mm. Um, yeah, we're, we're made to move. We're made to move. Um, so eventually Noah and I would actually, what we would like to do, we're teasing a little bit with that, but we're going to do an episode eventually of body and soul, how we think about body and soul and how the ungodly, wicked pagans in our society are destroying body and soul. So we ought to, as Christians, build up body and soul. So we'll talk about that eventually. This is kind of a precursor to that conversation. Do you have any kind of last big big ticket items? Um, I would just like give an encouragement to, I guess, not be afraid to compete in new things. Because 
I think pr- participating in a variety of competitions will, um, it's just going to help you think better and you're going to be able to recognize patterns across different kinds of competitions. Like exactly. Arky and I play chess, we play basketball together. So we're actually, actually able to take principles that we notice in each of these games and actually apply them to each other. So there's a lot of benefit that can be had from competition, like both men and women. Exactly. Um, yeah, like it can, you can use it to build character and self-discipline. So that's good. I think, yeah, we should we should try to promote like a right usage of competition. Yes, and I think even within the church, one more layer to this. Tell me what you think about this. I think it is also very wise for men at churches. Let's say let's say you're at a hundred person church. I think it would be very wise and good and helpful for the men to get together in, in camaraderie and not just um, sit down and talk about your feelings, but to go do a sport together. That's very good mm. for men to get together and play a sport. Yeah, that's a whole other thing. You can use friendly competition to build yes, camaraderie. Exactly. Yeah, that's what happens in a boot camp in the military. You get together right. and you just work out together really hard and learn a bunch of stuff together. And then that creates these bonds of men that runs so deep and sometimes those bonds aren't even spiritual Hmm. so how much more close if we actually get together with the men in our churches we work out physically we do physical training we play sports together we learn how to uh, do martial arts and fight each other and on top of that we're united to christ in one family of god how much more camaraderie Hmm. can we have than when you watch band of brothers and you see how much camaraderie these men had in world war ii in the 101st Airborne. So I think it's it's good. We need to, that's a huge element of camaraderie we need to be um, cultivating in the in the church among men specifically. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, I don't think there's really anything that you can replace competition with. Yeah, it's good. It's a useful tool. Yeah. And so one other thing um, we thought we ought to hit on um, when talking about competition from a Christian perspective is not only the idolatry of the people that play the sport as we've been kind of hitting on just kind of this weird this weird kind of uh, obsession that people have with these sport players themselves and the sport teams Uh, another layer to this conversation when we talk about just strengthening the Christian and talking about like very common sins in our society um, with the idolatry of sports is is even the the distraction from the things that are important in this world. Mm-hmm. Um, so we didn't even bring up uh, the Roman Colosseum is really where we get our first kind of conception of this mass arena sport spectacle for the public to come and and partake in. And the way the Caesars actually used the Colosseum, it was a gift to the people to keep the people playful and happy, so that he could do things he could he could consolidate power in himself without the populace knowing and understanding. Right. And I think the same thing happens here in sports to, in sports in America that you'll get a headline in the news that is, um, oh, so-and-so scored this many points or so-and-so won the World Series when like in the world somewhere there was just this uh, bombing at, at, a, at a parliament or something. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? They're, they won't report on what's happening in the world. They'd rather report on sports and celebrity, mm-hmm. you know. And we live in a time where you should really be questioning the motive behind anything you hear from mainstream media um, because everything that the masses hear, um, there's a purpose behind it. I think 
a big reason that sports is so promoted is solely for distraction. Yeah. So, yeah, like, the Roman Caesars, they would just, like, give them, give the people the Roman circus and people who are um, just all engaged in that, they're, they're never going to revolt because they're entertained. It's like, yep, why revolt? Yeah, if you give them bread, bread and play, keep them happy, and they'll shut up, and you can slowly take power, you know, for yourself. And so it's just like a little discernment tool, like. Um, lost my train of thought. No, it is it is a discernment tool though. Like, well, let, let's operate under that principle that um, when we talk about idolatry, it's something that steals your affections, your like all of your heart, your time, your money. If you're spending copious amounts of money to go to these games and get nice mm. seats in these stadiums, which are really just just um, temples to the gods of sport, um, you're spending all that money. You're thinking about sports. You're spending time away from God's fa- God's people just to go watch a game, right? There are people, like I said earlier, that will go and watch an NFL game rather than go to worship the living God with their brothers mm. and sisters. Um, yeah, that's when it becomes... Yeah. Like, that's that's too much. It's, I wouldn't outright condemn just going and watching a sports game, especially if it's, like, your kids' games. Like, you yeah, exactly. going to support them. Exactly. That's, <laughs> that's obviously a good reason to do that. That's but. fine. But, yeah, I mean, we need, to, we need to think about that as Christians mm. when, we think, when we think about being discerning about the spirit of the age. Um, what spirit does the majority of sports have? Well, it's a very anti-Christ spirit, to be honest. They, they will perform. They will not honor the Sabbath. They will have sports games on Sundays mm-hmm. to keep people away from church. They will not allow athletes to talk about Christ. They will not advertise Christ. Uh, so, oh, man. Rats. to cut that part out. Yeah, I'll cut that out. Sorry about that. <laughs> um, yeah, look at, look at the spirit that the um, – the sport is delivering to you. What it's right. what's it packaged in? Um, so so that's that's our exhortation. Another thing: um, look at the way people have used play all throughout human history, and it's a distraction to the masses to keep people from actually thinking about I don't know maybe their own mortality, if there's a god or not, what the meaning of life is. Um, don't be just that. That's really what the the idea of sensuality is: the sin of sensuality. You're constantly mm-hmm. want your senses to be. If you can't sit in silence for more than 10 minutes without getting bored, which I have trouble with, by the way, I'm not saying I'm saying I, but if you can't, if you always need your senses messed with, then mm. sport, if sport's one of those things, then yeah, that's, that's an issue. Any last thought there? No, I think we got it. Oh, we got it real good. Oh yeah. Thanks for listening, guys. Uh, check me out at ForTheKingPodcast.com. You can look at my Twitter, my Gab, for the King Pod. I post some things on there. Thanks for listening, guys, to the King of the Ages, immortal, invisible, the only God, the honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Soli Deo Gloria.